Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. Are rewards credit cards worth it on this episode of Shauna Shares Community Q&A? Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Shauna Shares Community Q&A. So good to have you with us. Today, I'm answering a question from Bree, and Bree says, thank you for being the first person to support me through my financial journey as an adult. 
I'm currently healing from many different emotions surrounding money. Brie, you and me both, and probably everybody listening. My question for you is about credit cards with perks. I got a few cards totaling $4,000 that I'm paying down, but I didn't realize I was doing a disservice to myself by not utilizing cards with points, travels, rewards, etc. Should I be moving towards paying off and closing two-thirds of those cards, or pay off, pay down, and try to add the smarter cards to my life? Thank you again for all you do. You've changed my life for the better. I'm not as afraid of money as I once was. Bree, first off, thank you for sharing this question and for admitting that your journey with money, your relationship with money has been rocky because I think we are all in that same boat. I know I am definitely in that same boat as you. And what I find is that our uh, relationship, emotions, feelings around money, this is something that is consistently growing and evolving over time. It isn't like we just reach one day where all of a sudden we magically have this all figured out. You might have a few glimpses here and there. You might have a few days where you feel really good, maybe a week, maybe a month, I don't know, maybe even a year. But usually what happens with life is something comes up and it shakes that foundation of your relationship with money. And then you kind of feel like you're you're starting over again. It's one of the reasons why on this show, I love to talk about cultivating your own toolbox, if you will, of money tools. Because so many things come out of the blue with life. I mean, who knew that we were going to go through a p- pandemic for about two years? I mean, I certainly did. When we heard news, I was living in Los Angeles at the time. When we heard news that things were going to shut down for about two weeks, I thought, no way. (laughs) There's no way that's going to happen. There is no way. Then, of course, fast forward two years later and two weeks would have been miraculous, right? My point is that even if you do all the quote unquote right things with your money and you're in a really good relationship with your money, something always comes up and shakes that foundation. So if you have this toolkit of money tools that you can pull out, just like you would if you were fixing your house, then maybe it isn't always so scary because you feel like you've got some of these tools. So back to your question. This is a great question because as I'm recording this episode right now, The Federal Reserve has hiked the key interest rates by three quarters of a percent, and they're doing this to try to bring down the crazy inflation that we have right now in the country. And so what happens is this is the largest increase that has happened in 30 years. For a very long time, we were in a very low interest rate environment, close to zero If you got a mortgage or a car loan over the last many, many, many years, you probably were super excited because you had a very low interest rate. And that's fantastic. I mean, if you're buying a house, let's say you're buying a half a million dollar house and you're only paying one to maybe 3% interest for that loan, that is amazing. But as we know with economics, as we know with money, everything ebbs and flows. So it is impossible to think that those rates would stay low forever. And right now we're just in this really interesting 
economic environment where so many things are changing. So interest rates going up are going to impact us in ways where our credit card interest is going to go up, home mortgage interest is going to go up, car payments are going to, not car payments are going to go up, excuse me for saying that incorrectly. What I mean to say is if we're buying a car, right, that interest rate is going to go up. Lots of interest rates are going to go up, and that just means that things are more expensive. However, on the flip side, when interest rates go up, it usually helps us in things like our emergency fund and our savings accounts. So there's always a good and a not so good outcome when things like that change with money. So one of the fallouts from this interest rate hike is on credit card debt, that credit card interest rates are going to go up. So if you're carrying a balance on your credit card, you're going to see an interest rate increase. So that just means that the money that you're paying right now for your credit card bill every month, and maybe you're adding a little bit on top of that to try and get that debt paid off quicker. When our interest rates go up, we just don't see that credit card debt being chipped away at as fast, right? So uh, interesting thing, most credit card companies will raise their interest rates by the same percentage point when the Fed raises the rates. But there usually is about a 45-day lapse between the Fed raising the interest rates and those interest rates going up on your credit cards. So if you do have some debt on those credit cards and you are at a higher interest rate, now would be the time to really start chipping away at that debt, really starting to kind of get that down. So I'm going to come back to my thoughts, Bree, on your latter question. But first, I just want to talk about rewards credit cards just in general so we can kind of lay the landscape a little bit. There are a lot of pros to reward credit cards. Obviously, the rewards, <laughs> points, cash back. And these things I love because you can essentially use them as cash. So let's say that I use a credit card to pay all of my monthly expenses and I pay that credit card off every month. The beauty of that is that I'm getting all of those points, cash back, whatever it might be, instead of the interest, right? So I'm paying that debt off every month. I'm not having to pay any interest, but I'm getting all of the bonuses, all the juicy bits that come along with the rewards credit card. Now, how I like to use them pre-COVID was I would take all those points and we would use them for travel. So I was already spending the money every month on all of our household things. So going to Target, going to the gas station, going to the grocery store, all of those things that we would normally spend money on. And then I would pay that credit card off each month. But the beauty was I was racking up points and I would turn those points into travel dollars for us. So we went so many places. In fact, 2019, we had a big travel year, which now I look back on and say, <laughs> that's very interesting because I have not traveled since 2019. But my point is that I was able to use those points to pay for so many different things, to pay for our airfare, to pay for our hotel, to pay for car rental, even to exchange some of those points for gift certificates to certain restaurants. So it 
it really became just a huge reward for us that we could travel certain places and not have to pay, if anything, very little out of pocket. So I like to think of rewards credit cards this way, that if I'm using it like I would a debit card, meaning I'm paying it off every month, I'm spending the money, I'm already spending the money. So it's kind of like, well, why not have your cake and eat it too? And there's not many things in life when it comes to money where we can have our cake and eat it too. I'm a big fan of the Chase Sapphire Preferred card. That's just a card that works for us. I have a couple other rewards credit cards that we utilize as well. But if you're interested in a rewards credit card, there are so many great sites you can go to, NerdWallet, CreditCards.com, where you can put in your current credit score and you can figure out what card is going to really align for you because this is individual specific. There are cons to rewards credit cards. Most cards have some sort of annual fee. Now, I will tell you that I use this trick every year. I call whenever the annual fee has been assessed. I ask the credit card company, would they be willing to remove it? I tell them I've been a very good customer for X many years. I really like their credit card. However, I really don't like the annual fee. Is there anything that they can do? I would say eight out of 10 times I get that annual fee refunded. One of the tricks I try if I call in and the first person says no, <laughs> I say, okay, thank you, hang up the phone. And I call back and I ask a different person. So it doesn't hurt you to ask the question because you never know. It could be a yes. And so you could really be utilizing that rewards credit card in such a fantastic way and not having to pay for the annual fee, which is really one of the cons. Rewards credit cards can also have higher fees in terms of interest rates. So this is important if you're going to keep a balance. But again, it doesn't matter if you're paying it off every month. So if you can get in the mindset of thinking about your credit card like a debit card and using it in that fashion, you can take advantage of all of the rewards and not have to pay any of the downsides. So when you hear all of these stories of credit card interest rates going up and Fed raising the interest rate, it doesn't even matter to you because it's not something you have to worry about. All right, so let's talk about a few other bits before I get back to your question, Bree. So I want to run over some key credit score factors. So there are five factors that go into your credit score. And if you don't know your credit score, this will be my little friendly reminder to you to just go over on one of the apps when it's free. You can use NerdWallet, Credit Karma, Credit Sesame, whatever works for you. Even a lot of the bank statements or credit card statements, just depends on where you bank and where you have credit cards, will have your credit score on there. Is it the most accurate score? I don't know. Does it matter? Not really. You're just trying to get a baseline for what your score currently is. So here are the five factors. The first and most important factor is, are you paying your bill on time? That is 35% of your score. So if you're having trouble paying it on time, just automate the thing. Now I realize that means you've got to have money in your bank account, but just set it up so it auto debits out of your bank account, the minimum payment. If you want to add anything additional, that's great. 
But then you don't have to think about that, right? And the first factor is taken care of. The second factor is called credit utilization. And it works like this. It looks at the available credit you have versus the amount you've used, right? So let's say I have a credit card and my available credit is $5,000. That's how much I can spend. And I'm carrying a balance of $2,500, right? So just doing simple math there, I have a 50% credit utilization. I'm using 50% of my available credit, right? In order to keep your credit score juicy, you want to try and get it in this optimal range of using 30% of your available credit or less. So looking at your credit cards, look at that ratio between available and used and figure out what that ratio is. And if you can pay it down to get it close to 30%, that's going to beef up your credit score. So between those two factors, that is 65% of your credit score. So if you're looking to better your credit, I would start with those two factors. The next factor is length of history, and that's 15% of your score. Now, this could matter if you decide to cancel one of your credit cards that's one of the very first pieces of credit that you ever got. That could dip your credit score a little bit. The next two, credit mix and new accounts, is 10, they're each 10%. So credit mix, just like it sounds, are you using... A gas card, a visa, do you have a student loan, maybe a mortgage, maybe a car payment? So the unfortunate factor is that the three credit bureaus like you to have lots of loans, lots of outstanding credit, and that's what makes up your credit mix. The last one, the last 10% is new accounts. And so I like to suggest don't open new credit more than three times in 90 days. But those are the five factors. So keeping your credit score high is just somewhat of an algorithm game, but opening and closing your accounts can impact your score. So if you decide to pay off a credit card, Brie, and you don't want to use it anymore, I always suggest just put it away somewhere. You can even chop up that credit card. It doesn't mean that your credit line's gone away. You can always call that company and ask for a new card. But take it out of your wallet, take out that temptation, but try to resist the urge to cancel that credit card. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. 
Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private 
by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. So my two cents at the end of the day is you have to do what feels right for you no matter what when it comes to credit cards. I can give you advice. You can read so many different articles, listen to other podcasts, but it really comes down to how well you sleep at night. So if keeping a balance on a credit card just makes you feel really nervous, really anxious, really uptight, then I would say go ahead and get rid of that credit card debt. There isn't any negative for paying off your credit card other than you've paid off your credit card. Sure, yes, the credit issuer could uh, decide to either lower your credit limit or they could cancel out your card. That is always a risk. If you've been a longtime customer, I don't normally see this happen. It is a risk. It's not the end of the world. One thing you could do if you pay down your credit card is use that credit card for something small every month. Like maybe you go to the coffee store and you just get your two or three, five buck, whatever it is, coffee, and you just pay it off every month, right? So it shows the credit issuer that you are still using the card, even though you're not carrying a balance. In a recent article in Experian, which is one of the credit bureaus, there's three credit bureaus, They say you should generally keep a credit account with no balance open, but if there is a high annual fee, you may want to consider closing or downgrading that card. Again, if you have a card with a high annual fee, I would first try the tactic of calling them and asking them if they would waive that annual fee, seeing if that works. If that doesn't work, then you can always ask the credit card company to downgrade your card to a non-annual fee card. So that's a good alternative. Usually these credit card companies, they have a you know a variety of cards available. So if that one is no longer serving your need, you could move to another one in that credit card family. That's not going to impact your credit score. And it's going to help you not even have to remember about the annual fee. I put, well, I'm a money geek, so <laughs> this probably makes sense. But what I do is I put in my calendar when all of the annual fees are going to be accessed. And then I just uh, set a reminder to remind me because I can't remember all of this. And so the reminder pops up and I go, oh, okay, now it's time to call them and see if I can get that annual fee waived. And my advice is just always be as nice as humanly possible on the phone. Don't threaten them. Don't use foul language. Just be nice and ask them. And most people don't ask these things. So the chance of you actually getting that annual fee waived is probably pretty high. Again, I like to always charge a little something on zero balance cards just to make sure that they know that I'm I'm still here, <laughs> that I'm still using the card. But I would say, you know, one of your biggest strategies is paying down 
that credit card below the 30% utilization. That's always going to help you. It's going to beef up your score a little bit. But, you know, generally speaking in the world of credit, if you have a credit score drop, if you have your score go down a little bit, let's say a credit card company closed your card or maybe you closed it and you weren't really thinking, whatever it might be, it's not the end of the world. Specifically, if you're not trying to buy a new car, buy a new house, get a big loan in the next, let's say, 90 days or so, then it's really not that big of a deal. We're so hyper-focused on numbers, so hyper-focused on what your credit score is. And if it's not in the 800 range, that somehow you're not doing things correctly, And I really want you to just feel free to just push that nonsense away because it doesn't always matter. This striving for excellence when it comes to our money, it's driving us all crazy. And it's so much added anxiety and stress around money that just doesn't need to be there. So I think, Brie, adding in one or two points cards could really be worthwhile if the points are going to matter to you. So this is really important too. This comes back to thinking about what works for your life, thinking about what makes sense for your money journey. We all have a different vision of how we want to live our life. And so we need to start getting in that habit of filling in the the money steps, the loans, the investing strategy, whatever it might be to, to really support whatever that vision is. So if you're going to use the rewards, if you like to travel, if you're going to use them for maybe restaurants or cash back or whatever it might be, then the rewards credit card really makes sense for you. You can make the points work and you can make sure that you get the cards that are aligned to your lifestyle. However, if you're somebody who Maybe you just like the idea of the rewards credit card and you kind of feel like maybe that's something I should do. I don't know. It feels like everybody else has a rewards credit card. Then I would caution you to really think about it before you make the change. And overall, in this high interest rate environment that we're in, The interest rates, I believe, in my opinion, are only going to keep ticking up, especially this year as they're really trying to bring down inflation. One of the tricks they use to try and bring down inflation is raising interest rates. So it kind of has a, um, I don't know, like a yin and a yang, right? So we want to bring down inflation. We don't like the high cost of gas. We don't like what it's costing us at the grocery store, or we don't like how much we're having to pay for airfare. But on the flip side, we don't necessarily like higher interest rates for things. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. 
Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Want to know the number one money question I'm asked? It's how to get started investing without being overwhelmed. So if you're asking yourself the same question, then you have to check out the Investing for Beginners podcast. The hosts, Dave and Andrew, they break down investment terms and strategies in a way you can finally understand. I love that they're making investing accessible and they have an entire podcast dedicated to helping you invest better. Even if you're not ready to start investing, they explain the stock market and financial updates so you can really understand what is being said on the news. If you're ready to learn more about investing, I'd recommend you start with two of my favorite episodes. Listener Q&A, how do you start investing with a thousand bucks, where they explain how you get started right away. And back to basics of building your portfolio, where they explain how to build a portfolio from scratch. The Investing for Beginners podcast is a great way to start expanding your relationship with money. Find Investing for Beginners podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. But that's just the way economics and money works, right? There's always a plus and a minus. And I think it's really easy to get sucked into all of the headlines that are out there now, which really make you... They don't make you, but I think it's definitely a brain trick to try and get you to feel really terrible about your money and terrible about the situation we're in. I don't like going to the gas station and paying a lot more for gas either. And I don't think anybody likes doing that. But I think we have to put it in just a little bit of perspective with this understanding that not everything's always going to go up, right? We're not always going to be in a housing market where if you own a house, the, the value of your house is always increasing. That's just not going to happen. We've been in that place for quite some time now. The pandemic really helped that along, but that's not always going to happen. Housing prices are going to come down. We know historically because this is what happens. We also know historically that the stock market is not always going to go up. There are going to be some down days. We actually need down days. We need an evening out in the market. We don't like it. We don't like to lose money or feel like we're losing money. But again, when we have a stock market decline and our retirement account goes down, unless we're going to retire today, then it's not such a burden, right? These are paper losses because we're not actually pulling the money out of our account today. 
but I don't like to lose money just like you don't like to lose money. I don't like that feeling at all. It's one of the reasons why I'm actually not a big fan of Las Vegas. <laughs> I'm a really bad gambler because I like competition, but I don't like the risk of losing my money. I'd rather take my money and go buy something that I really want to buy. But that's my own money personality, my own kind of money identity. I know that about myself. So Brie, I would say that you are just doing phenomenal on your financial journey. And the first part that you've really done, the healing from these emotions around money, this is the first part. I mean, this is the most critical piece. So I'm really glad that you're in this place. And I would say if that credit card balance of $4,000 that you are paying it down, if that is really making you feel nervous or you don't like looking at that, then I would move towards paying that off before you brought in the rewards credit cards. But if you feel like, no, I think I have a healthy relationship. I'm paying that down. I feel like I'm good on the progress I'm at. Maybe with the higher interest rate environment that we're in now, maybe you tack on a little additional payment if you can onto that to pay those off quicker, then I would say go ahead and add in one or two rewards credit cards, but use those like a debit card. So try to make sure that you're not building up a balance on those particular credit cards and just really get in the frame of mind of whatever I charge on that card each month, I'm going to pay it off. And that is the best tactic that I have found to really avoid high interest credit card debt. But it definitely takes relationship work with money. It really takes mindset work. And it really takes some discipline too to make sure that you're keeping yourself intentional with the amount of money you're spending and that you fully commit to paying that off each and every month. So Brie, I hope this helped you on your rewards credit card quest. I think they're fantastic in the right situation as with everything with money. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend or family member, someone who you know would also love this content as well. And be sure to come back and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. I will see you back here in a few days for a brand new one. (music) 